Welcome to Gardening Talk back on a Monday afternoon. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, so lovely to see you. So good yeah. to see you as well. <laughs> what do you got planned for us today, Scott? Well, look, technology is a wonderful thing. Lisa Russell sent us in a picture via email. Ah, excellent. So we'll answer her question for her. Uh, we'll talk about sun, parasol, mandevillias, and what the uh, ancient uh, peoples, uh, Romans, used to do. Romans. Romans, we can talk, and there's other people as well, d- did in their ancient gardens. Ah, yeah. excellent. Taking a trip down history lane. History lane. <laughs> and we've got Lynn on the line from Weston, and she's got a question about the apple tree. Hi, Lynn. How can we help you? Hi, Scott. Great, thank you. We um, miniature pink lady. Yes. I had ninety-two apples on it, and every single one was fly blowing. Well, I don't know what else to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, yeah, look. Unfortunately, apples are just as susceptible uh, to fruit fly as uh, you know, tomatoes, uh, chilies, anything like that uh, that can get fruit fly. Apples can get it as well. Uh, so you do uh, have to, uh, you know, treat for the fly as well. Look, same as you do for peaches, you know, any sort of stone fruit, they're all going to be susceptible to it. Uh, so, look, the thing to do with that is it's a, a sort of a two-pronged attack to keep fruit fly under control. You need to, uh, you know, both uh, trap. Uh, you make up a little trap. You can get uh, like an old uh, takeaway container, plastic takeaway container, put some holes in it, and you make up this uh, wonderful paste of malathon and Vegemite. Uh, you just sort of get some Vegemite in there and put a bit of malathon in, not so it's sloppy or anything like that, just so it's, uh, you know, just a sort of consistent sort of paste. And you put that in there. And uh, it's been told by many people have rung back to us that uh, you get quite a lot of uh, fruit flies uh, dying out of that. And look, also just general spraying's a good thing to do as well. Okay, spraying I really didn't want to do, but yeah. I've had I've had fruit fly traps of yeast and sugar and mm-hmm. oh, you know, half a dozen different sorts of traps. And admittedly, they they trapped the the fly, yeah. but they were still able to get into the fruit. And I, but I've come to the conclusion that I'm going to have to spray for next season. And, I, and what would be the safest to use the malathon? Uh, look, I'd probably just use a pyrethrum spray. It's probably the safest okay. to use around. Uh, that should get the fruit fly. If you've got some malathon, yep. use that as well. It's a little bit more harmful to the uh, the buzzy bees out oh, there, okay. so you just have to be careful about that. Okay, so pyrethrum, and that'll do my peaches as well. Yeah, that should do that as well. And look, also, but the trapping is the best way to do it, uh, and start nice and early. You know, once almost once you see that fruit setting, uh, uh-huh. you know, start trapping then. Uh, try and clean up any oh, look if you've got other citrus or anything that might have fallen fruit on the ground always try and clean those up yeah. and uh, try and uh, if you've got any neighbours as well who might have uh, you know sort of unruly yeah. citrus trees or something that they've got fruit on the uh, ground try and keep them under control as well and get them okay. to clean it up yeah Okay, well, what about my peach? Because I've a miniature peach too. It's very thick with foliage. Can I cut that back? Can I trim that or anything? Yeah, you can certainly give that a cut back uh, give it a cut back now if you want to in the centre or on the outside? Uh, gener- yeah, generally go from the outside. Uh, you can thin it out okay. a little bit in the middle if you want to as well, just to let some air in there. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, just try and reduce the size a little bit. And, uh, okay, because it's very, very thick and bushy. It's only a miniature, but it's about as round as it is tall. Oh, know, okay. Yeah, thick yeah. and bushy, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I'll do that. Thank you very much, Okay, Lynn. thanks for the call, Lynn. We'll talk to you later. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Cheers, thanks, Lynn. We've got George now from Anna Bay, and he's got a problem with his avocado tree. Hey, George, how can we help you? George? George. Calling George. No. No, I don't think he's, I think he's gone. No, no. It's some sort of weird, um, another dimension up there at Anna Bay. Maybe he's fallen into a bit of a time warp or something. Or... 
He could have. He could have. Who knows? Who knows? I'm sure we'll find out, but we've got Leslie now from Katara, and she needs advice about pruning a frangipani. Uh, how can we help you with it, Leslie? Yes, Scott. I have a frangipani tree which is about two metres high, and I'd like to keep it at that height. Can I prune it back to study its growth? Yes, you, you can prune back your frangipani, but uh, look, they sort of lose a bit of their shape when you do it. If When you prune, they get these sort of fingers coming up from that area, so you might lose a little bit of shape. Look, my next-door neighbours did it uh, a couple of years ago to their frangipani, and it has come back now, but it's taken a couple of years for it to sort of regain its, its shape. So uh, just be aware that that's what's going to happen uh, if you do prune it back. Yes. Also, could I ask when... Should I prune my hibiscus? Yeah, hibiscus I would probably leave now. And I always suggest doing hibiscus, uh, you know, mid-August or so when you know that water, warmer weather is going to come back yes. up. Yes, yep. yes. And how do I prune them? So much from the ground or...? Oh, look, we're with hibiscus, you can be quite ruthless with them. Uh, you can mm. cut, cut them back quite hard and they'll always shoot back for you. you get a really nice plant if you prune your hibiscus back hard. And lastly, I have a small tibachina, which is tall and spindly. And I'd like it to be round and bushy. Can I count that one back as only a small tibachina? Yeah, no, absolutely. It sounds like you're going to be very, very busy with the shears over the next couple of weeks. I will be. I'll sharpen them up. Yeah, so look, Tibachina, fine uh, to give it a prune. Look, they are out in flower at the moment, so I would be waiting until it finishes flowering. Well, thank you very much, and may I wish you a very happy Easter. And to you too, Leslie. Thank you for that. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. We've got George back from Anabay. And, Scott, I'm pretty sure he's still got that question about the avocado tree. Uh, time, oh, hasn't, time hasn't changed Hello. that much. How can we help you, George? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, I'll try again after last time. That's your second greeting. It was very nice. <laughs> um, but we do it differently up here. Um, look, the avocado tree, my problem with an avocado tree, I can't find an avocado tree. I'm wanting to buy one for my daughter. It's the last little puzzle in the garden which she started up. Um, preferably a grafted one. Um, without having done a huge amount of leg work, I really don't know who, uh, who sells one around the place. Uh, yeah, look, I'd, I'd jump on the phone. Uh, I'm thinking uh, probably the closest and easiest for you to get to might be Heritage Gardens up at Thornton. Uh, they might yep. be, they'll probably be able to help you out with uh, you know a, a wide range of, of fruiting trees because uh, look, people up that area, uh, you know, you know they've got plenty of space in their yards and they and they can plant uh, that sort of uh, you know citrus and other sort of fruiting trees. Um, but yeah, look, otherwise just jump on the phone and, and make some phone calls. Definitely get a. A uh, grafted one, like you said, mate, because uh, if you don't, if you just get a seed-grown one, yeah. uh, you can wait 9 to 12 years for that uh, particular plant to fruit. So it's quite a long time. 9 to 12 well, years? It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, interesting, it's interesting you should say that. I did add a, uh, we'll call it a chain store nursery. Mm -hmm. um, I did see a seedling one. I was horrified at the price, and I was horrified that it was a seedling one available there. Um, I'm normally pulling seedling ones out. <laughs> um, look, is there any... To or fro for a hash avocado or a shep one? Uh, no, no. Look, uh, look, all very good varieties. Both of them are very good varieties. Uh, uh, and look, they're going to grow very well up around your place in the, you know, in the sandy soil as well. Yeah, with a sandy soil, mm -hmm. any tips for in 
rich in the sandy soil. You know, I don't want to go overboard on it. Yeah, so you really do need to start, uh, you know, adding some, uh, you know, composted material, uh, some cow manure, some mushroom compost if you want to, just to try and build up that organic matter in the soil. It's still going to drain really well, uh, yep. but you just need to build it up a little bit for some more nutrients for the plant because it's, it's going to get quite large over time. Uh, time of year to plant would, as it's a gift, uh, would maybe a reasonable time. Uh, look, you know, I, I would probably hold off in that case. They, as yep. a young plant, they don't winter very well down here in Newcastle. You'll get some, you know, leaf drop. Uh, you get a bit of browning on the ends of the leaves, depending on what sort of winter we get. Uh, yep. You know, they are predicting it's going to be a bit of a chilly one, apparently. Uh, so, look, I look would wait uh, until you get to spring, uh, you know, August, September, and then yep. uh, then put it in the ground then. And that'll be, okay. you'll get some root growth, uh, you know, before you get to the really hotter months. But putting it in now, uh, yeah, they just don't winter very well. And, you know, you probably see some, you know, leaves drop off it. And, uh, you know, as not a very big plant in the first place, uh, yeah. you know, it, it um, will go backwards on you. So leave it in a pot in a nice sunny sheltered spot uh, for, for winter and then, then put it out in uh, early spring or yeah, something. Yeah, and look, uh, even if you know there's going to be, you know, a southerly buster or something coming up the coast and, you know, we're going to have a few days of, uh, uh, you know, really windy conditions, you know, put yep. it up under the veranda or something, just out of those, uh, you know, those full-on wind conditions in the cold. Just pr- right, protect- now with, with pruning, because my son-in-law is not a leaf person, unlike me, uh, on his precious lawn. With the, with pruning, uh, you know, even at the expense of some fruit, if it gets to a fruiting size, um, mm-hmm. the, what effect would that have on it? Is it a feasible thing to keep it reasonably sized? Uh, look, you, you certainly can, but uh, you know, they're are they they're sort of slowish growing. Uh, you know, they're never going to. They will get uh, you know a, a large plant eventually. So yes, you can yeah. prune them. Uh, don't don't be worried about that. But it's not a plant that's going to you know in two or three years sort of spring up to its full height and become a monster in the garden. Oh, that's that's good. That's yeah. encouraging. Thanks very much for all your help. Okay, not a problem. Okay, thanks, Bye-bye. George. Bye bye. I'm surprised how long it takes for an avocado seed to grow. Yeah, mangoes can be the same as well. So if I got an avocado, yes, when I save up all my pennies, yes. Take, take out a, a loan of some sort, personal yep. loan, yeah. And got the seed out and wait for it to dry out, obviously. Yes. It would take forever to get actually another, another, another avocado back. Well, yeah, nine, not 12 years, not forever. It's Not the 12 years. Yeah, that's a fair whack of time, I that's guess. A de- it's only a decade. It I is know, a that, decade. that's a long time to wait for your smashed avocado on toast, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Just sitting there waiting by the tree. Yeah, yeah. your toast had burnt by then. Exactly. Yeah. It'd be cold as well. It would be. Cold and burnt 10 times over. Scott Sharp, we got an email as well earlier this week. I know, it's exciting, isn't it? It is. An, an email with a picture. Oh, that we, is a very nice picture. Yeah, it, it's, it's black and white, but I can imagine. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I don't spring to uh, colour at my place, so just a, just a laser printer. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so Lisa Russell has emailed us. Yep. Yep, um, very nice of her to do that. Uh, she has got... Firstly, she said, hi, Scott, this plant is growing all over the place. Should I do something to it? Uh-huh. And the answer is yes, Lisa, you should. She sent us a picture of a uh, protea, uh, a blushing bride. It's uh, Proteas are a native to South Africa. 
Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's where they get the nickname from, the Proteus. The Proteus, yeah, yeah. No cheating here, though, with this uh, particular... No, I don't see any tape around there. No, there's so no, no yellow tape around this particular plant. Uh, but yes, look, uh, they are a beautiful plant. Uh, they get those nice little Protea flowers on them. Uh, they get a bit wispy, uh, as this one has. It's sort of spreading out a little bit. looks a bit like, a, uh, like an asparagus, I guess, the way it's okay. very fine tendrils yep. leaves. Uh, so the answer in the short uh, form to you, Lisa, is yes, you can give your Protea a prune back. Uh, and it will actually make it a nice full plant. So just go around, you know, almost the rim of the pot that uh, I'm having a look at here, take about a third of the plant off, and then it'll really fill back up from the inside. And uh, a lot, you'll get some new flowers coming off from that. It'll be a nice, thicker and fuller plant for you. Excellent. Yeah. That's also our first mailbag segment. It is, isn't it? Yes, we should. If anyone wants to email in to us, it's fantastic. We, we can open the mailbag each week. How would they email us, Greg? They would email us at gardening at 2 Excellent. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, because that's what we want. Um, we want a mailbag section. Every week. Every week. Well, Maybe a bit of a mistakes corner as well, but we might leave that to the end of the show. <laughs> and we've got Shirley from Whitebridge, and she needs advice about flowering shrubs. Shirley, how can we help you? Um, yes, Scott. Look, I'd, um, I was wondering if um, you could tell me what sort of miniature flowering shrubs, because it's on a 30 centimetre wide um, board, you know, right around the front of the yeah, yeah. garden. Um, yeah, so I was just wondering uh, what would be the best ones to plant. I know you told us about the Indian hawthorn, and they're fabulous. We've got them in pots, and they just really come on beautifully and sh- uh, flower and everything you know yeah, they're, and they're, they're so tough as well in pots out in the full are. sand yeah very yeah. tough yeah uh look for a little flowering border there's a plant called kufia c-u-p-h-e-a and you can get those uh, in, u-u-p-h uh, c-u-p oh c-u yeah c-u-p-h yeah it's yes. called kufia and you can get those in, in a white purple uh pink coloured uh, flowers. Oh, wow. And the great thing about them is they're prunable into a little border. They probably don't get... I always use my hands at this point in time, and Greg always looks at me strangely. I reckon they probably get about, oh, no, 15 to 20 centimetres tall. Yeah, that looks 15 to 20. So Yeah, that looks 15 to 20. So they get about that tall, but you can keep them pruned down a lot lower as well if you want to. So they're uh, they're a a perennial. They're going to last forever, putting those in. Yes. Uh, Yeah, that's what what we need, yes. And then we can plant flowers in between. Yeah, you can certainly do that. And you can square those up as well. You can leave them go a little bit shag if you want to. But, uh, you know, sort of giving them a prune every now and again will make a nice fuller plant for you. Oh, wonderful. Thanks so much, okay. Scott. Now, again, they'll handle the full sun. Uh, what, what, how do you spell it? C-U-P-H-E-A. C-U-P-H-E-A. Yeah. Oh, okay. And look, they'll, yeah. handle, they'll handle being out in the full sun. Uh, they'll also tolerate a little bit of shade as well. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, look, a, a very good little plant for a border plant. Oh, thanks ever so much. Bye-bye. Not a problem at all. Thank you for that, Shirley. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye. Cheers, thank <laughs> you, Shirley. We've got Jennifer now from Stroud, and she's got a question with, oh, she's got mould on the grapes. Ooh, that's because she probably had some water up there finally. Is that is that right, Jennifer? Yeah, heaps, yeah. heaps of water. <laughs> You're not by the river, are you? Uh, yes. Has <laughs> it uh, come up too far for you yet, or is it still manageable? Uh, it's come up and it's gone back down, so oh, okay. that's pretty good. Yeah, I guess... I guess the rain. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess the ground's dry enough that it could uh, soak up a fair bit of water at the moment. Yeah, well, we've had a couple hundred um, millimetres. Now, apparently you've got some mould on your grapes, have you? Tell us about it. Yeah, uh, on the leaves at the vine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we wanted to know what to spray them with. 
to get rid of the mould. Yeah, look, unfortunately, grapes do get uh, you know powdery mildew, downy mildew on them. It just looks yeah, like a, that's, yeah, that's yeah, and uh, so it, it's it is manageable. Uh, obviously, that's why they grow grapes, uh, you know, in more drier conditions than in humid conditions because the grapevine is susceptible to it. But you will be able to keep it under control. Uh, you need to go and get a product called Mancozeb Plus, uh, which is a fungicide. And you spray that all over it and up in under the leaves as well. And that uh, fungicide should just uh, sort of curl up. That fungus should just sort of curl up and die on you. Uh, but then I would keep on using it, uh, you know, every couple of weeks as a preventative, just spraying it around. You can also uh, mix some up in a watering can and drench it uh, in the soil around the plant as well, just to try yep. and kill, kill any fungal spores that might be in the ground. That sounds good. Okay, so that's Mancozeb uh Plus you need. So that's not like the edible, you know, that Absol you're going to eat the grapes. Abs so. Absolutely. I thought you'd be making wine out of it anyway. <laughs> Don't know how to do that. Uh, no, look, you can, you can certainly use, uh, you know, any of those fungicides, uh, Mancozeb or copper oxychloride are, are perfectly safe to use on edible plants. Yep. Okay. I recognise them. Okay. I, okay. Good on you, Jennifer. Thank, Thank you. you, Scott. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And we've got Dennis from Belmont North, and he needs advice on how we can get rid of ants. Hey, Dennis, have they uh, come inside with the wet weather, mate? <laughs> how you going, Scott? Yeah, pretty well. Um, what I've got is ants in pot plants. Ah, uh, okay, um, yeah. And one of, I've got a blue passion fruit in a pot, and they're little red ants, like three mil long, I suppose. Yep, yep. Um, and when I've lifted out the pot a little bit, um, they they got eggs and the whole bit. Mm. And a month ago, I dug potatoes up in the garden up the back, and the same thing when I got down pulling them out, there was ants' nests, you know, right down deep. And again, all with eggs and whatever. What's yeah. causing that? Yeah. Look, uh, the the ants. I mean, you don't want to sort of go and disrupt their poor little ant. Farms or whatever they are in there. Colony, colonies, they're... yeah, colonies. I remember they used to get ant farms in as, when you were a kid. You get those sort of oh, with the big thin glass. And... Yeah, yeah. But what they are doing to your plants, though, is a bit unfortunate. They're actually, uh, I guess, making the soil hydrophobic. So any moisture that's going in there is just you know running down through the ant holes. There, you know, eating, you know, putting things through them, and uh, you know that uh, makes the. Uh, the soil less uh, likely to absorb moisture. So unfortunately, you are going to have to get rid of the little blighters. Uh, now, to do that, uh, you need to mix up some poison, unfortunately. Uh, you can, when you go to uh, you know, your local garden centre, they should be able to uh, supply you with uh, an ant and cockroach killer of some sort. And uh, you just mix that up into a watering can and then just drench it down through the soil until it's running down through the pot. And again, with uh, like you said, around your potatoes, uh, you'd go and do the same with them. Just uh, you know, drench around that area where you know know the ants are, and yeah. uh, let that soak right down into the soil. Probably do it again. Uh, you know, go back in an hour or two's time. Just give it a second uh, hit, and uh, that should get rid of them for you. Oh, they were even in me a worm farm. Oh, okay. So yeah, so they on the outside. Well, in you know how they come apart, and you get down into the. Um, 
the war apart. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were all on the side of that. Okay, so now to, to do that, you're probably going to have to be a little bit more careful about the way you get rid of them. You probably just have to, you know, sort of open it up a little bit and try and spray around uh, because if you start drenching your worm farm, you're going to kill all your worms as well. Uh, so if you are going to try and get rid of them from that, uh, you just have to, you know, have a bit of a, a, a very careful spray around, and maybe even uh, get your worm farm. Is it one of the ones that have got legs on it, or? Yes, it has. Yeah. What about even, uh, you know, getting some uh, plastic sources of water and filling those up, and uh, to stop the, you know, the oh. ants sort of going over. Oh. Yeah. oh, what a good idea! Yeah, like yeah. a little ant moat. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. oh, what a beauty. Yeah. Well done. Okay, mate. So, yeah, to get some of that uh, ant and cockroach killer and then just, uh, yeah, drench that down through the soil of your of your pl- uh, pots and uh, in your garden where you know they're existing. Yep. Yep. And the other question I had yep. was um, a friend of wants a cutting off a goji berry. Yes, yep. Um, but I was a bit concerned that it might be too late to start taking cuttings off it this time of year. Yeah, look Would at this. Be- yeah, look, you're quite right with that. Uh, now, as we start to, you know, slide into these cooler months into April and May, uh, you know, you, you're not going to get as good a result from cuttings you do. I, look, I guess if you did it at the moment, we're still getting some quite warm uh, days and the nights aren't cooling down that much. I mean, it's still sort of, you know, 20, 21 even, if, even when it's raining, it's, it's still quite nice. Uh, so you still could do them now, but look, you'd have to do them within, in the next couple of weeks to get them to strike. Uh, if you can't do that, mate, I would be waiting until mid-August, September, and then taking your cuttings. So and they've still got... It's still bearing fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, and would I take them off the top or the bottom, or yeah, where so, would I take the cuttings from? Yeah, so cuttings always come from, you know, up towards the top of the plant, uh, where... It's, you know, it's still green and soft, but it's just starting, you can just see it starting to harden up and form like a a little bit of a hard bark there. And that's where you take your cuttings from and you put that hard bark part into the uh, soil. You get some uh, some, uh, cutting powder, some uh, rooting hormone, and you dip it into that and then into your your, uh, propagation mix. That's great. Okay. Okay, thanks, gentlemen. Okay, good on you, Dennis. Thank you. Have a nice afternoon, mate. Same yourself, mate. Bye. Bye. Cheers, thanks, Dennis. We've got Steve now from Barnsley, and he needs advice about planting winter vegetables. Hey, Steve, how can we help you with them, mate? G'day, Scott. Um, yeah, mate, um, winter veggies. Yes. When to? Um, I want to prepare the, the plot again. Mm-hmm. Um, is lettuce an all-rounder? Yeah, no, so yeah, lettuce is a good all-rounder that you can uh, grow all year round, all year round here in Newcastle. Uh, you can do. Be- I'm, I'm renowned by from my neighbours of the the Silverbeet King. Yes, I keep them in Silverbeet. Yeah, but um, I'd like to diversify a little bit. <laughs> yeah, look, you can also and have some for home. Yeah, you can also grow beetroot uh, all year round as well. Now, the the if you wanted to start doing cauliflower. Uh, you know, cabbage, those sort of winter vegetables. Yes. It's best to build the soil up now. Start using some poultry manure in there because the, those winter... I ve- have that. Beautiful, because those winter vegetables... On, on the place, yes. Yep, those winter vegetables really love, uh, you know, high nitrogen fertilisers. So go and start building that in now. Now, the only reason I wouldn't plant, you know, directly, uh, you know, 
at the moment because it, it still is a little bit humid. We've got a lot of rain around at the moment, yeah. and if it heats yeah. up, you know, it gets humid again. We uh, we heard uh, we heard Jennifer from Stroud talking about some you know fungal diseases on her grapes, and that's yeah. going to that's going to be the problem if you start uh, planting cabbage and uh, cauliflower now. Uh, highly likely you'll start to get some fungal disease. So you're probably just best to wait, uh, you know, until we get. You know, a little bit more into towards the end of April, uh, once those humid oh, conditions right go away, and that's when you go and actually plant uh, those vegetables. What about uh, a little? I'm interested in like companion planting. Yes. Um, what with what, <laughs> so to speak? Uh, I, I do have a for my my birds. Um, they're high performing pigeons which I will use, um, their droppings, but they do like my garlic chives. Yes, yeah. So Can I sort of spread them around through? And, and compa- companion plant with the garlic chives? Oh, you can certainly do that. Uh, marigolds are always the other safe bet to companion plant with. Uh, now, right you, so your biggest uh, problem with cabbage and collie is always that... Uh, you know, that cauliflower moth, that white moth that yes. comes and lays and you get the little green eggs. So you have to dust yes. them as well. But, yes, uh, I do have some dust. But certainly I would be using the, uh, the, the marigolds and your chives if you want to, uh, just to try and keep those moths away from the area. See how it goes. They're really Great. very persistent. Thanks, Scott. Okay, good on you, Steve. Thanks, mate. Okay, have a nice afternoon, mate. You too. Bye-bye. So we've got Nancy from Windermere Park. And she's got a question about decoy plants to distract moths. Yes, hi. Hello, hi, Nancy. Scott. Yes. Uh, yeah, I missed out on the name of it. Apparently, on the ABC gardening show the other day, they were talking about decoy plants to get the moths away from your brassicas. And um, it was a type of crest, but I missed the name. And apparently, it attracts the moths away from your cabbages and things. But uh, when the caterpillars hatch out and they eat the plant, it kills them. Ah, okay, I see. I'll have to do some research about that one. I, I'm not sure about it exactly, but it sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? So, Yeah, I, I didn't catch the name of it. All I heard was that it was a type of crest. Okay, look, I'll do some research about that. But, uh, yeah, look, the, the, the cabbage moth, it's, it's a terrible thing. Uh, it's you know, very difficult to keep under control. I remember, yeah, you know, and they like the Asian ones as well, the bok choy and pak choy and all that. They go for all them. Yeah, but even when you're dusting, it still doesn't seem to keep them away. They're just so so resilient and uh, so difficult to see as well on there, that little green caterpillar when it starts crawling around. It's very cute, but uh, <laughs> just it does a lot of damage. I'll say. Yeah, uh, yeah. They can reduce your plant to a skeleton overnight. No, they certainly can. So, look, I'll, I'll, do some, uh, I'll do some research about that and find out about it for you. But, uh, again, look, I think it's one of those things where you have to, like fruit fly, uh, you know, you have to use a whole lot of things in concert to try and keep them under control. Yes, I suppose yeah. so. Yeah. All right, thanks, okay, Scott. not a problem. Sorry I couldn't help you out there directly, Nancy. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye for now. It's a topic for next week, though, isn't it? Yes, I think we'll certainly talk about that. We'll copy the ABC. Or not. Or not. <laughs> or other radio stations are available. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got Lynn now from New Lambton Heights, and she's got a question about keeping possums away from gardens. Oh, Lynn, you live in New Lambton Heights. You've probably got a better idea than I do in Carrington. We don't have native animals. <laughs> yeah, no, well, 
close, Scott. No, we're basically, we've got reserve all around us. Yes. We've, got, we've got it right next door. So we've got the possums running across the roof and all that sort of thing, yeah. you know. But I, we have an awful time trying to actually keep buds on the plants, basically. Most of our trees, actually, when they start to sort of come into bud, the possums eat them. So, you know, I'm just wondering, what is there anything that we can do? I mean, obviously, I don't want to harm the possums in any way, but, you know, what can we do to try and sort of, so I can get some flowers on my trees? Yeah, look, and the, that the, drops, you the, know? Yeah, look, you can mix up the old uh, chilli and garlic spray and, and give that a try and spray that around okay. and see if it works for you. There is a product called Deter, uh, which has been around for a long time and is very good. Uh, you obviously just spray that on as well, but uh, like with the uh, chili and garlic spray or the deep, yeah, okay. or the detail, right. well, if it rains, right. you have to uh, then go and reapply. All right, okay, that sounds great. All right, I'll give anything a try because it'd be nice to have some flowers. Yeah, or otherwise, <laughs> just get a not not a big dog, just a sort of a, a the size dog that would chase the possum away, but won't actually harm the possum. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm not, I don't know what, so, what I don't know what breed you need, but uh, I'm just trying to imagine one about that size. A chihuahua. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay, but the only thing is, I'd have to I'd have to have lots of sensors around here just to be able to yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 We, we're just we're just here thinking laterally for you. Mm. Maybe some yeah. sort of like a scarecrow type scenario. Yeah, 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 maybe I could have something like that. We have a lot of birds here. We get a lot of kookaburras, all that sort of thing. You know, yeah. the kookaburras are beautiful, you know. So we don't want to harm any of the native life. Of I, course, we love it all. I know, know. I know what you could do. You could just import a New Zealander just to live <laughs> in your house because they hate possums. They're a pest over there, and I'm sure the New Zealanders would be able to chase well, it my, out for my, you. I, I don't know whether my husband agree with you on that. He's a, he's a, he's a Kiwi. So. Oh, well, it's, oh, it's, a, it's a wonder they're, they're at all. It's, the possum should smell your husband and just go, I'm not coming anywhere near the place. <laughs> no, that doesn't work. <laughs> uh, all right, okay. Thanks, thanks for your help with okay, that. Not well, a problem. I'll certainly try, try the detour and the, and the garlic and... and uh, uh, what do you say again? The garlic and, and chili, chili spray. spray yes, and, and and Greg so was. How would you dilute that down? I uh, just put put it put it in that? the put it in the blender with some water and just try and get it to a um a consistency that'll go through a sprayer. Yeah, you'd have to really blend oh, it up okay. quite fine. Just yeah. spray the spray yeah. the plant. Yeah, and, and probably okay. then the other thing you do is get a sieve and actually you know pour it through that. So you're just getting the watery. Um, yeah, just yeah, the liquid residue, liquid yeah. itself. Yeah. Okay, no, I'll give that a go. That sounds good. Okay. All right, okay. Thanks, okay. thanks for your help. And we weren't, right, that your hus- we weren't implying that your husband's smelly in any way either. <laughs> nice disclaimer. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. All right, no, you have a good day now. Thanks, Lynn. Cheers. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. And the bonus of that garlic and chilli sp- spray is... Yes. Put on your potatoes. Have you got any left over? I guess you could do that as well, wouldn't it? Just be like, yeah, we, we can work you could the double, kitchen. You could double up. You could double up on that one, yeah. Mm. Make a heap of it. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. One for potatoes... One for the yard. Yes. Good stuff. Good thinkers here, aren't we? <laughs> we certainly are. Scott Sharp, we're out of time. Oh, no. We'll have to talk about the uh, the, the villa in Naples and the gardens there next oh, week. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Well, ancient gardens. Yes. Oh, the week after. Yeah, week after, because it's Easter Monday. You yes. Won't, there will be no gardening talk back next week. No, no, and we'd be, we'll just be full of chocolate. Yes. Yes. We just... Cooled over on the couch, full of chocolate, <laughs> dribbling in a mess. <laughs> Scott Sharper, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.